Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimony of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next workshop coming up March 4th through the 6th in Colorado. So call us today at 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. So glad that you could join us today. My name is Jonathan, and we have uh, Dan Wabshaw back in the studio today. So thanks, Dan, for being here. My pleasure to come back. Yeah, so, uh, you know, last week we talked about uh, Dan's story, and he was able to share just kind of all of the brokenness from his history with uh, pornography and then even how that came into his marriage. And then we got to the point where Dan was able to share how he finally stepped into this recovery, how he finally really surrendered himself before God and recognized that this was a weight that was not intended for him to carry. And so, uh, Dan, what I'd like you to do, we're just going to dive right in. Um, and I would like you to share a little bit more with what that process looked like after you kind of had that moment of surrender, that moment of submission of finally sort of, if I can put it this way, giving up on your way yeah. and realizing there must be a better way. And tell us what happened from that point in terms of, of where things went from there. Well, after that confession before God and, and his demonstrating himself as real and, and forgiving on that, on that couch at home, what my wife then and I began to do was rebuild, um, trust that I had absolutely destroyed. And the realization of a promise I made to her that she'd already been hurt deeply once, that I would not do that again to her, in reality, that's exactly what I had done. So not only had had I to restore her trust, um, I had to deal with a lie I had told myself. But this process began slowly. Uh, we initially sought pastoral counseling, and 
over the course of, of months, um, one of the weaknesses I had was communication. So I had to begin to, to just talk. And we talked about anything and everything. And um, for the first time in my life, in our marriage, I had to learn to trust her with the truth. Even if her response wasn't going to be good, I still needed to be truthful with her. And uh, that was that was hard. And for the next several years, that was an intentional effort on my part. And um, I wish I could say that that was the end of it. That March morning was the last time I ever looked at any pornography of any kind. But that's, you know, reality is that's not true. So what did you do with the very real, you know, stumblings that occur when somebody's coming out of essentially a, a, a paradigm that you've been familiar with your whole life, which is go to pornography when either you're stressed or when you just want a little me time or you, you've just learned to incorporate that into such a foundational level of your life. And... And I think this is important for listeners to hear because sometimes we have this expectation that even if you have a moment where you are fully clear in understanding just how destructive that is to your life, and you have that moment of surrender and that moment of clarity and that moment of realization that there needs to be a new direction, that it doesn't just happen like flipping a switch, that there's almost a a sloughing off that has to happen of this whole monster that you've been carrying for so long. So help our listeners understand what you did as you would stumble your way into recovery. How, how did you deal yeah. with those stumblings is what I'm asking. Right. Well, it I realized after the incredible graceful response that I received from my wife, the realization of no matter much how much it hurt when I, when I stumbled— I needed to tell her it was going to hurt, but that was far less painful than if I continued to hide it. That was a whole different way of thinking for me. Um, to say that was easy is a dramatic understatement. So as I, each time I, I, I stumbled and I shared, it hurt, but I, met, I was met with more grace. I was met with more empathy. And over the course of years of doing that, um, it became easier for her to trust me. But I also started changing behaviors at times where I would have intentionally stayed home when she left so I could do what I hop on the Internet. I made the conscious decision to go with, even if it was to the grocery store for a half hour. So I had to I had to make changes. I had to draw boundary, new boundaries in my life. There were friends I chose not to spend time with anymore because my associations then brought back triggers, thoughts, behaviors. Going to strip clubs with with certain people was common for many years. I I had to choose not to spend time with those people, and all of those things didn't happen in six months. We're talking three or four years of a process, and and here's one complicating factor. I won't go into a lot of time with this, but our oldest daughter was in the grips of anorexia. So she's not only, we're not only fighting for her marriage, but her oldest daughter is quite literally fighting for her life. So I was incredibly overwhelmed at that point, and I was having to learn a new a dynamic of how to respond to this mm -hmm. in a healthy manner. 
And that's where that right and nude relationship with God and with Jesus became something I needed to rely on more and more every day. And in that process, without even realizing it, it was changing the way I thought. And then, therefore, that changed the way I behaved, the way I viewed my wife and my children. So that was all years. That wasn't a magical, like you had said before, Jonathan, a flip of the switch. That took years. So help our listeners understand what you were actually doing during this time to grow in these ways. I mean, were you just, you know, sitting in a corner cross-legged and just kind of drawing energy? Or, I mean, were you what were you doing that was actually causing these changes? I mean, you mentioned your wife a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and your connection with her. But were there any other connections that were part of this that were part of helping you heal and grow in your recovery? Absolutely. I had, by the... The letting go of some friends, I had chosen new friends. And those male friends were accountability. Um, They were walking with me. I could share my struggles with them. They encouraged me. Um, I was spending time in in prayer. I'd also reached out and after discovering uh, an accountability and and filtering software called Covenant Eyes, uh, which I use to this day. And I, I started using that, signed up with an accountability partner, and that man uh, was somebody who called a spade a spade. Even if he knew it was going to hurt, um, when I slipped, I heard from him, and I heard from him immediately and directly. So I, I put up barriers of my own to protect, to help, to walk a better path, but I also intentionally stepped into relationships with other men, um, with a, a pastor of a new church that we were attending, and intentionally seeking God and his word um, to help me understand, okay, how am I supposed to live because the way I've been living is not working. And I needed these men in my life who knew how to do this right, who had been through some of the same misery I had been through, in relationship with Jesus to start opening my eyes to the right way or a better way to live. And all of that, again, was, it was, I tried isolation. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. Isolation is your is your worst enemy in recovery. Um, it was men. It was other relationships, deep, deep relationships. And uh, that was a huge part of that early recovery and is to this day. Sure. Now, you also mentioned in your story previously that uh, that pornography was not just something that you engaged, but there was a period in your marriage where you brought it in to your marriage and you and your wife were engaging in pornography together. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make any assumptions here. One of the things we like to do on this program is be, be very clear and very practical about things. So when you're talking about you having this sort of demarcation, this line of delineating your history and then moving forward into recovery, um, what happened in your marriage with all that pornography? What did you guys do with it? Physically, I put it in a box took it out to a burning barrel that my father had and lit it all on fire. Yeah. And, and my wife, without any objection from your wife, right? (laughs) No, I think she, if I, she may have been clapping as I drove away from the house with it all. 
um, I had I literally had to physically remove it from the house mm-hmm. uh, because even if if it was there, or even if I put it in somebody else and take it in somebody else's house, I was I didn't trust myself enough to leave it alone. I knew now, it had to be gone. And see, that's what I want our listeners to hear. I think sometimes. Um, and this is why recovery can take so long sometimes is because, like I said before, it becomes such a foundational element of how we've conducted our lives, how we've processed emotion, how we've dealt with uh, difficulties and conflict that we've turned to pornography, we've turned to our sexual acting out, that when it's time, when we have that moment of clarity, we realize this is not what's best for me, this is right. not good for me. That there's such a temptation to still kind of have the breadcrumb trail back. So it's like, hey, I'd kind of like to maybe try recovery, but I don't really want to sever all ties with, you know, my former ways. Correct. And what I like that you're saying here is you recognize the need that you can't keep this stuff available if you really are going to learn to walk free from it. And and I like what you said, too. You realize you needed to actually literally destroy this because what good does it do to take something that we know is harmful to us and pass it along to somebody else? Exactly. I mean, it would – that'd be like saying, hey, listen, I got all this stash of, of booze and I've, I've, I'm a you know total alcoholic, but I don't want to keep this anymore. So rather than pour it out, you know, hey, Joe, you're an alcoholic here, so why don't you take it? I mean, it's like – right. Yeah, you know, I, I think part of my mindset, Jonathan, is similar to that. Is my mind? Uh, I finally realized this stuff isn't helpful; it's poison. Mm-hmm. So I have to get rid of this poison so it doesn't harm, hurt, or kill someone else. And and that was part of that realization at that uh, one of those moments where I almost lost everything that I that I finally understood really mattered to me: mm-hmm. my wife and my children the respect of my community because of the business and stuff that that we owned and the positions, if you will, that I held in the community, I was pretty well known. And I don't want this to sound the way it's going to, which is arrogant, but there weren't too many people in the, in our small town that didn't know who it was, look at our family and esteemed them. Sure. Yeah. All this mess. Which, by the way, and I want our listeners to hear this, is why sometimes it's so difficult. That's such a blockage for some people to enter into true recovery because they've got such an established, if I can put it this way, image mm-hmm. that it it's it's so threatening to think that if I really pursue recovery in a manner that is that is proper and good, it does have the potential to threaten my reputation. And threaten my image, right? And that's that's why I think there's many who do not ever enter true recovery, because they're kind of trying to continue to uphold the facade of their image while simultaneously trying to change something that has actually contributed to that facade. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and the thing I remind myself, I reminded myself of during that is these women I talked to on a chat line or go into in a video chat room, they were my victims, even though I didn't understand that at the time. And when I crossed that flesh boundary, that woman was also a victim of my poor behavior. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that was a very, as when that realization came to me, it was profound. You know, I wasn't, it wasn't just my wife who was the victim. 
I've now victimized others. Sure, yeah. And um, that's hard. And to bring that out for the longest time was a very scary thing. And it, but there was a point where that changed. The, the threshold of, you know what, it doesn't matter anymore because it's, it's time, as you said, to tell the story. Now, I want to back up a little bit because I want to be very clear on this to our listeners. What I don't want you to hear me saying or hear us saying is that, listen, in order for you to enter true recovery, you got to come to San Antonio, Texas, get on the radio with Jonathan Darty, and share your story across all of the radio airwaves. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, and what we're trying to communicate here is that if you really are going to break free, then you've got to tell somebody your story. Right. You got to tell someone the full story. And the good news is there are environments in which you can do that in confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, there are counselors, there are support groups, there are places right. that you can go. But what we're really trying to say is you can't keep hiding the story and think that any real transformation or recovery is going to happen. Yeah. And let me give give listeners some perspective. From 2004 until I really started going public, if you will, with this, was several years. So there was a lot of healing that was taking place. There was a lot of people who needed to know that were told, but I wasn't even at a place where I I, I could sense a peace from God about coming down to San Antonio, Texas and sitting down in front of this microphone. I mean, that was 2004. This is 2016. So I'm, I'm trying to give you some perspective to that journey. And also it's, yeah, and, and, and along those lines, it's important to know that not everyone is even called to ever go public. Correct. With their, you know, Dan and I have had very specific callings by God to do what we're doing. Um, so we that's just kind of a little bit of an aside here that we want to make sure that we're not communicating out there that says, listen, if you're really going to enter true recovery, then it's got to be public. No, no, no. We just, right. we, we're just trying to communicate clearly that your story will have to be told to somebody. Correct. If you want to start this process of freedom. Right. And, and I have a, a little bit of a philosophical, although very small, saying that for me has been very true. Pain revealed is pain that can be healed. If you hide that pain and that shame, it's like mold in a dark spot. It doesn't stop growing and it will be exposed for what it is in time. So... Um, yes, every time I shared the story with somebody over the years, it lessened that grip of shame. So why don't you also tell us, Dan, then how did things progress from from recovery and really this healing that's going on in your marriage and this new sense of intimacy in your union mm-hmm. with her to, to get to a place where then you're being called out to help other men along this journey. Tell, tell us how that transition occurred. We'll move ahead to 2010. And there was a portion of time where I could tell there was a call coming. God was prompting me to do something beyond what I had done. Um, and as I was walking around our church grounds praying, I was asking God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And all I heard from a still small voice you know, some can relate to is go tell your story. That's all I heard. And to this day, that just resonates. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, I began to do just that. And over the course of years, as I did, um, God has been faithful and continued to prompt that call, and he has graciously opened more doors and avenues to be able to do that. And now it's a call to sit down, mentor other men, walk with them shoulder to shoulder through the very mess that God pulled me out of to give them hope and their marriages hope. Mm-hmm. So that's a real brief version of what happened, but that's a real, that's a synopsis. Sure. So let's talk about that now. Let's, uh, let's talk to the guys out there who are either on the fence or they're just stepping into this idea of, I, I need to make changes. I, I know that I'm not, you know, I'm carrying this weight. I don't want to carry this anymore. What would you say to those guys who are just right in the throes of that struggle with whether or not they really want to firmly and uh, fully engage recovery? What would you say to them, and, and how would you encourage them to step forward? First, I would I would join in recognizing there's a great amount of fear that you're that you're dealing with. Jonathan and I have both experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fear is real. As I engage the telling of the truth of everything to my wife was the first time I experienced a taste, and I mean a minuscule taste, of freedom and peace. And I'll, I'll if we have time, I'll get further into that. Um, but the other piece of this was, you're not alone. When I realized for the first time that I'm not the only man on planet Earth who struggles with some type of sexual sin, whether it's pornography or picking up a prostitute, whatever it is, I would look you in the eye and say, you are not alone, my friend. And there are men out here who are willing to walk with you who have been there. And if I look back over from 2004 to this day and what has transpired, including all the pain, all the hard work, the frustration, but now and even along the way, the enormous peace, the enormous amount of true love that my wife and I share, the openness that we share with our children because our openness with them in the midst of this, I have no doubt has created an atmosphere where our children are are afraid to tell us nothing because they know that our deepest, darkest secrets were revealed to them appropriately for their ages. And now as they're all adults, there isn't pretty much anything they don't know Mm -hmm. that they can indeed trust mom and dad with the same thing. It is the whole process, all the hard work, all the pain, so worth it. Yeah. Now let's go back to the the bit about it being uh, it being a bit scary. Oh yeah. To to take that step to really start to engage, revealing your story, um, dealing with the brokenness, dealing with the history, dealing with the wounds, dealing with all that. How would you encourage a man to overcome? that fear in order to actually begin the process of, of recovery. Cause I think you're right. It is a scary thing. And what would you say to that guy that's scared 
to help him uh, take that next step, even in his fear. As real as that fear is, what I discovered, that the majority of the things I feared never materialized. Mm -hmm. Those fears were perceived and felt as genuine, but the vast majority of them turned out to be lies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it if if you truly want healing and you want recovery and restoration of a marriage, that hard truth of confessing and pushing past that fear is is something we we just we need to do. It's hard. It's and, it's scary. And I would say this too because there is a there's an amount of courage that's necessary. Oh, yes. But but it's not a great amount of courage. It's no. a small amount of courage that's needed. And and I would couple this with the idea of you not being alone because if you are listening to this broadcast right now, you're listening to two guys that are available to help you get over that hump of fear. Because here's what I here's the picture that I get. I get the picture of a guy that is sort of standing on a ledge that there's a bridge that's a long step that he's got to take to get to that bridge. He's got to take a long step to get to that bridge, but there's a precipice that Mm -hmm. is, you know, a mile deep below him. And when he's standing there alone, he's wondering, can I, can I make that? jump? Can I make that step there? And he's he's incredibly afraid. But as soon as someone that comes up next to him who has made that step before many times, who knows that it's possible to make that step, as soon as that person steps next to him and says, oh yeah, you got this. Right. All of a sudden there's a confidence that happens. And, and maybe even that person says, let me show you. And they take the step and then they reach out their hand. That's why it's so important that you not think that you've got to do this alone. Correct. Because I think the whole idea of encouragement is to give courage to someone else. Amen. Yeah. So step into a group, get plugged in, because I think that's the way we we help each other move forward into true recovery. Right. And to push past those fears was, again, from my perspective, I cannot under overestimate the value of that accountability because they did, those men in my life at that time, at that very critical time, did the exact thing you're talking about, Jonathan. They were, they were there and they took those steps with me. Mm-hmm. And that every time I took another step, another step, another step, it gave me more and more courage to take the next one. Um, and the fear was still there, but the intensity and the frequency got less and less. Well, do you have any closing thoughts that you might want to leave with our listeners, Dan, as you're thinking through the process that you've gone through with your wife, with your personal recovery, anything, uh, any type of encouragement that you would want to leave with our listeners? At the darkest part of our, and I will say our journey, because it wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. My wife is forever a part of this on this earth. Hope. Hope is the one thing that I did not have at the beginning. My hopelessness slowly over the course of those years began to turn into hopefulness. Mm. And 
that hopefulness light continued to get brighter and brighter and brighter with each difficult little step at a time forward that I took in all the areas we talked about, accountability, honesty, truthfulness, uh, growing in integrity and doing what I said I was going to do, honest, all of those things were integral pieces in that. But it's hopelessness to hope to experienced hope Mm -hmm. where we are now. And, you know, listeners, I want to encourage you, too, because, you know, Dan sits across from me as a guy who God is using and is calling into new adventures. And I think sometimes one of the things that keeps us so afraid from taking those initial steps to really move toward recovery is because we falsely assume that we are leaving all of the safety, all of what is known, and we think that's the only thing that's safe. And we don't realize that what's out here in the unknown is incredibly good, that there is purpose, that there's meaning. If we will just take that long step, that long step of courage and realize that God is right there to catch us, to draw us in, to pull us into what is really good. Even if it's unknown at the time, even if it seems very scary, um, it's, it's still very, very good. And so I hope that what you've gained in this week and last week's broadcast is a sense of courage, a sense of hope that you can move forward and become a different person. So, Dan, thanks for being with us these couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was truly a pleasure. It's uh, an exciting part of the journey. Absolutely. And, folks, as always, if you want help, if you want to share with us your story, if you've got anything that um, you want to share with us so that we can help you in your own journey, please contact us. And we look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.